Act One of The Hobby Horse by Arthur Wing Pinero. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Hobby Horse The Persons of the Play Mr. Spencer German, read by Son of the Exiles. Mrs. Spencer German, read by Sonia. Mr. Pinching, read by Adrian Stevens. Miss Moxon, read by Devorah Allen. The Reverend Noel Bryce, read by Todd. Bertha, read by Jen Broda. Tom Clark, read by Thomas Peter. Mrs. Porcher, read by Lydia. Mr. Shattuck, read by Kristen Hand. Mr. Pews, read by Alan Mapstone. Mr. Lyman, read by Adam Bielka. Mr. Malter, read by Bandana Man 99. Mrs. Landon, read by AMB Suite 13. Tiny Landon, read by by Bandana Man 99. Hewitt read by Schrum. Stage directions read by Michael Meggs. The first act, a chapter of philanthropy. The second act, a chapter of sentiment. The third act, a chapter of expiation. The hobby horse. The first act, a chapter of philanthropy. The scene is the garden and exterior of a picturesque old country house, with gables and porch all overgrown with flowers, the residence of Mr. Spencer German. It is a bright May morning. Shattuck comes cautiously along the garden walk, followed by pews. Shattuck is a bony, ungainly-looking man of about forty, with high shoulders, rounded back, close-cropped head set forward, and a sallow, keen-eyed face. Pews is a snub-nosed, red-faced, fat little man. Both are dressed horsily, and have a very broken-down appearance. Shattuck, turning sharply upon Pews. Shh! Can't you turn off that music? Pews, panting and wiping his forehead. No, I cannot. If you allude to my breathing a bit heavy. You're a nice broken-winded gentleman to bring out on a quiet, delicate expedition. Didn't I tell you, Edward Pews, that it ain't our book to meet the ladies? Breathe in your at, man. Breathe in your at. You knew I was a roarer when you brought me here, Samuel. I have been so ever since I got ducked at Doncaster in 84. Shattuck, crouching on the steps and looking into the house. There they are. I see em, All of them. Having their morning feed. Mr. Spencer German is a-glancing at the newspaper. A little curious about the prices for the Grand Prix, apparently. Mrs. German is a-toying with a hag. Oh, you beauty! Who's the other? Oh, Miss Moxon, the lady staying in the house, makes a bad third. All right, German'll show directly. 
He said he'd be happy to see myself and friend this morning at 10 a.m. Did he? Then why the deuce are we sneaking up to his house, hugging the rails instead of taking the middle of the course fair and open? I'll tell you, Edward. Then perhaps you'll breathe a little peacefuller. You've seen this here, Spencer German? At pretty nigh every race meeting for the last ten years. I've seen him at Lincoln, I've seen him at Liverpool, I see him at the Epsom Spring, I've seen him here at Newmarket, I've seen him at the Epsom Summer, I've seen him... Very well, you see him. That's enough. Do you know the party in question? I can't say we've ever chummed, but I've heard him classed as a generous patron of the turf and a good and game thoroughbred Hinglish gent. You've hit it. You've enumerated Spencer German's points more than accurate. He's a man what loves the horse and all them what has to do with the horse. He loves racing and sport and pluck, and he's got an open hand for any broken-down sportsman. Some say that intellectually Mr. Spencer German wouldn't pass the vet. Well, I ain't going to howl about that. If Spencer German takes a loving fancy to Samuel Shattuck, ex-jockey, ex-trainer, ex-bookmaker, Hex, Hex, Hex Welsher. That's a friendly comment, Edward. Looking into the house. Hello, there's Stirrin. But you haven't told me, Sam, why you want to fight shy of the women folk. Why? Because Mr. Spencer German has gone and married a lady who don't know a horse from a am sandwich, a female with no more love and sympathy for the turf than them what lives by it, than, than the chaplain of York Prison. Hush! Drop a wail over the past, Sam. Always keep out of the way of the ladies, Mr. Shattuck, says German to me. Mrs. German has no eyes for anything but her little ragged urchins. What's he mean by that? Why, he's married a woman with a craze. She's a... 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 philanthropist. Crikey! Never happy, but what, she's picking up dirty little boys and girls and taking them home and washing and combing them and giving them cake and sermon. As if his philanthropy wasn't as good as her philanthropy. As if we didn't want washing and combing as much. A, more than the dirtiest boys and girls in England. Look out! Mrs. Landon, a poor widow, comes up the walk, leading Tiny Landon, a small boy. There, what did I tell you? Here's one of Mrs. German's little devils, ready to take the bread out of an honest man's mouth. Shattuck steps forward to meet Mrs. Landon. I beg your pardon, sir. I want for to see the lady, Mrs. German. Tall, fair lady? Went down that the avenue about twenty minutes ago. Am I correct in what I am saying, Mr. Pews? I certainly see a tall fair lady going down the avenue a-carrying a red plush bag with a monogram on it. Ah, uh, but she told me not to fail to bring my little boy this morning. I am that disappointed. She was similarly anxious for to see Mr. Pews. I have brought him miles and miles. We're all in the same basket, seems to me. Hewitt, a groom, comes from the house to Pews and Shattuck. 
Hello, what do you want? We're a-waitin' for to see Mr. German, Mr. Hewitt. Don't hasten him, sir. Our time's our own. Oh, good morning, Mrs. Lenton. Mistress said I was to take you and Tiny to her room. Directly you came. These gentlemen thought they saw her go out. They must have been mistaken. Tain't the first time in their lives they've been mistaken, I dare say. Come along on me. Mrs. London follows Hewitt up the steps to the house. Shattuck, cuffing Tiny, who runs after his mother. You get shown in, do you? You're pushing little cad. Mr. German, a smart, dapper little man of forty-five or fifty, with a sporting appearance, comes through the porch and meets Hewitt, Mrs. London and Tiny on the steps. Ah, oh, Mrs. Landon, how do you do? Getting over your trouble? Slowly, sir. Your boy doesn't grow much. Put him into a stable and make a jockey of him. Mrs. London and Tiny go inside with Hewitt. Lord bless me, another rackety little imp running about the place. We're swarming with them. Ah, if my scheme should by any chance satisfy Diana's philanthropic cravings, what a relief it would be. Shattuck, meeting German as he descends the steps. Good morning, Mr. Spencer German, sir. Oh, Mr. Shattuck, you're punctual, I'm glad to see. Yes, Mr. German, sir, and I ventured for to bring with me the other deserving case I mentioned. Mr. Hedward Pews, formerly a boy in John Gorton's stable. He rode hysteria for Lord Oscott in the hoax so far back as 56, being suspended from riding at Goodwood in 61 on an unjust charge of horrid language at the post. He took to drink and put on flesh rapid. In proof whereof, I ask you to look at him. Since that time he has been various, but never lucky. He... All right, all right. What has he been doing lately? Selling tips in envelopes, sir. And doing poorly. My voice not telling after the first hour. Can he refer me to anybody? Can he refer you to anybody? Can I refer you to anybody? Oh. Shattuck, admiringly. Can you refer him to anybody? They look uneasily at each other. Can he refer you to... Huh. Well, in a sort of way, Mr. Pews gives me as a reference. Oh, well, I'll make inquiries. All I can say for the present is I don't dislike your friend's face. Pews wipes his face carefully with a dirty handkerchief. And now I'd better explain, Mr. Shattuck, why I desired to see you this morning. Sit down. Don't mind me. Sit down. Shattuck and Pews sit side by side on a garden bench. I will walk about. I'm so excitedly interested in my scheme that I really can't discuss it sitting down. We will hear you out, sir. We will hear you out. You're a gentleman, sir. None better. My scheme is this. Mrs. German, my wife, is a lady of a most charitable disposition. It is my fault entirely that I have comparatively little sympathy with the precise form of her generosity. However, that's nothing to do with you, my men. Go on, sir. We're earing you. 
Mrs. German, on the other hand, has no feeling for anything or anybody connected with the turf or the stable. No feeling except one of positive distaste. Shame, shame. How dare you employ that ejaculation in reference to Mrs. German, sir? What do you mean by it, eh? Shattuck to Pews. Now I hope you're proud of yourself. Mrs. German's prejudices are quite beyond not only the censure, but the comprehension of such as ourselves. Shattuck to Pews. Because your face gets flattered and you go and lose your head. But I think, Mr. Shattuck, that I have discovered a method of blending Mrs. German's notions of philanthropy with a pet plan of my own to benefit some of the waifs and strays connected with the noble pastime which is more than my hobby, which is my existence. Well spoken. There is a farmhouse of mine which has been vacant for a long time, about five miles from here, at Shodley Heath. A very commodious, well-built dwelling. Perhaps you know it. A house painted yellow or cream colour? That's it. Seeing German take out a cigar, Shattuck and Pews simultaneously produce their clay pipes. Now my notion is to fit and furnish this house substantially and usefully, and to endow it as a home for about twenty decayed jockeys and stablemen, men like yourselves who have outlived their chances on the turf and fallen on bad days there mr shattuck what do you think of that tell me mister are you entering us for the temperance stakes how dare you put a question like that where's your gratitude for the bare idea i was a-thinking of mr pews too little is as bad as too much for a man like edward pews we'll discuss that by and by the point is, Mr. Shattuck, can you find twenty men who would be willing to lead honest, sober, decent lives? Well, offhand, I shouldn't like for to pledge myself to such an undertaking. Men with some good sterling qualities in them, behind all their faults and weaknesses? Well, you see, I dare say I've rather spoilt you by showing you me and Mr. Pews first. However, you leave this ear to me. And if there is on the face of this year earth twenty honest, broken-down sportsmen willing for to be kept free and liberal, I'll bring them to the post fit and fine. Thank you. Thank you. It's a grand scheme. I long to break it to Mrs. German. If she takes to it, why, <laughs> who knows, we may see her at Ascot yet. Pinching, a pleasant but rather weak-looking young man in riding costume, comes up the walk. How are you, German? My dear Pinching. I'm behind my time. The mare lost her shoe, so I had to leave her at Lassingham and walk on. Are these two gentlemen two of your protégés? Yes. You're smiling, Pinching. Don't, my boy, don't. I can't get you to treat this matter with professional earnestness. Um, Mr. Shattuck, this is Mr. Ralph Pinching of Newmarket, my solicitor. The men bow uncomfortably. Oh, crikey. Here's an element to creep in. Now, my men, I am leaving here this morning, almost immediately, and it is possible that I shall be away for nearly a month. 
But during my absence, Mr. Shattuck, you will communicate with Mr. Pinching as if he were myself. He has my full instructions. Hewitt comes from the house. Hewitt, don't forget, I go to town by the 12.15. Put Romper in the cart. Yes, sir. And give these men something to eat and drink. Shattuck to Hewitt. Now you've got to show us in. Yes, kitchen. Cad. Hewitt goes towards the house with Shattuck and Pews. And now, my dear German, I've something really serious to talk to you about. Good gracious, Pinching. Serious? Yes. You shall find me your man of business in real earnest for a few moments. Lord bless me, Pinching, you don't mean... That I have some news of your boy, Alan? Yes, I think so. My boy, my boy, get on, sir, get on. For heaven's sake, don't go to sleep about it. It isn't that I'm in a hurry to hear anything of that scamp of a boy, but I have to catch the 12.15. God bless him. Pinching produces a pocketbook. Now tell me, German, when did you quarrel and part with your son? I particularly want dates. Certainly. It was just before the Middle Park plate. No, no, please, legally, that is not a perfect date. Well, it was about six months before my marriage to Diana. And you married the present Mrs. German a little over a year ago. Come, that's better. Turning over some papers. Now, about the time this quarrel occurred, I find that a young man named Thomas Clark shipped himself on board the steamship Penguin, bound for the Australian ports, as a common sailor. Pah! On the wrong scent! That wouldn't be my boy, Alan. This Thomas Clark left some clothes behind him at a lodging in the east of London. Alan wouldn't have done that. On the wrong scent, sir. The landlady subsequently sought the advice of the police as to her right to dispose of this property. It was ultimately sold but there exists a memorandum on the police books that some articles of apparel belonging to Mr. Thomas Clark were marked A.J. That's my boy. I fancied it might be. Fancy? There's no fancy about it. You surely haven't let the matter drop. My dear Pinching, you are neglecting this business altogether. I could have managed it better myself. It's not professional. Pray be calm, German, and hear me out. Excuse me, Pinching. I am much obliged to you for your energy in this affair. Go on. It appears that the boy signed articles with the owners to make four voyages in the Penguin. And did he? Thomas Clark did, and finally discharged himself at the East India docks about a month ago. And where's he now? That is just what I am trying to find out. Trying to find out? Rubbish, sir! What I mean to find out, if I can. Spencer German, taking Pinching's hand. Thank you, old fella. You're a good friend. Bring my boy back to me again, Pinching, for two reasons. Two reasons? Well, in the first place, Diana has never seen him, and a woman ought to know what her son is like. And secondly, Pinching, in our quarrel, the boy was right and I was wrong. Dear me. It was a serious business. He fancied Medusa for the Middle Park Plate, and I had a strong liking for King Carraway. 
but he said that king carraway wasn't fit to run without a respirator and that irritated me pinching and we had hot words and i saw him go out at that gate sir and we never met again and next day when i watched the racing i was still so indignant pinching that i could hardly steady my glasses but the boy was right god bless him and i want to tell him what i felt when i saw that confounded king carraway go to pieces at the abingdon dip sir while medusa my dear boy's fancy romped in like a ballet girl miss moxon a prettily dressed young lady appears in the porch mr pinching oh how do you do miss moxon mrs german wants to know if you have breakfasted ah uh, yes thank you <laughs> oh do come in it is almost my last hour in Odlum House, Mr. Pinching. I'm going away this morning, for good. Going away? No. Miss Moxham, to German. Will you give poor unfortunate me a lift to the station to catch the 12.15, Mr. German? I'm sorry to assist at your departure, Miss Moxham. However, I'll tell Hewitt we'll go over in the carriage. German leaves them, and directly he is out of sight, Miss Moxon runs down the steps and pinching takes her hand. Coming away, Miss Moxon? Yes. Isn't it awful? And I am so happy here with Diana. I feel I shall never be happy again, Mr. Pinching. Never, never, never. But why are you going? Miss Moxon, sitting. It is my duty. Pinching, sitting close beside her. Duty? Duty. German returns quickly. Oh, by the by, Pinching. Pinching and Miss Moxon rise guiltily. All three are embarrassed. Ah, I just wanted to say, um, ugh. Looking at Miss Moxon. Excuse me, Pinching, won't you? Certainly, German. Don't tell Mrs. German this morning of our discoveries about my boy, Alan. Certainly not, if you don't wish it. It is rather a sore subject between us. Diana always points to the loss of my boy as one of the evil results of horse racing. And as I'm just going to divulge my scheme for the jockey's home at Shoddley Heath, I particularly want her to be in a good temper today. That's all pinching. Looking at Miss Moxon. Excuse my, my awkwardness, won't you? Charming woman, Miss Moxon. Um... I shan't see you again for five minutes, Pinchin. German goes into the house. Miss Moxon, strolling towards Pinching. Were you saying anything to me, Mr. Pinching, when dear Mr. German came back? Oh, yes. Why is it specially your duty to run away from friends who, who like you so well, Miss Moxon? Why, don't you know that I am a very, very poor woman, Mr. Pinching? that I had nothing a year settled on me by my parents, who died almost before I was born, and that I have been some sort of a governess ever since I could lisp, and shall remain one till I am qualified for an almshouse. No, I only know that you were a schoolfellow of Mrs. Jermyn's, and that you have been a guest at Odlam House for the last three weeks, and that... Uh, and that? Yes. And that my legal visits to Mr. Jermyn have lately been very protracted. Thank you. You're the only lawyer I've ever known, as well as this. 
you are the only governess i have ever known as well as this i never imagined a lawyer was so young oh yes it's only in books that we suffer from chronic old age after today when i am far far away from odlem house i shall always think pleasantly of a lawyer and i shall always think pleasantly of a governess of governesses in general do you mean or a governess a governess miss moxon looking away then do you know any other governess no oh mrs jermyn a stately handsome woman of about thirty appears at the top of the steps leading tiny london by the hand won't you come into the house mr pinching constance dear you said you would look after mr pinching i am doing so diana mrs jermyn and tiny come down the steps as miss moxon and pinching ascend thank you mrs jermyn am i too old to compete with this young gentleman for a permanent location at odlem house ah mr pinching don't you be unsympathetic i fear my husband's indifference is contagious go in please i am looking for mr jermyn miss moxon and pinching go into the house mrs jermyn goes down upon her knees before the child smoothing his hair and polishing his face with her handkerchief there my dear little fellow the sight of you ought to soften any man's heart where is spencer ah tiny if you could but realize it the success of a grand a beautiful scheme depends upon the impression you make upon mr jermyn tiny london trying to avoid the pocket-handkerchief oh don't jermyn enters and contemplates mrs jermyn and the child with annoyance here's one of those beastly little boys diana my darling i'm afraid i shall have to say good-bye very soon and when am i to see you again spencer mm. well diana as you know i'm going to paris to-night for the altaya steeplechase oh i shall remain over there till after the grand prix oh and then my dear i suppose i had better return home spencer well diana i was about to say that i'd better then um push on to ascot and have you been as precise in your arrangements for my occupation spencer certainly certainly i have thought a great deal about that in fact i uh that is well my darling i understood that old mrs hetherington had been pressing about your staying in hand's place it's the london season you know <laughs> there can be no season anywhere for a wife without her husband my dear diana i am delighted to hear you say that i do leave you a great deal i am always flying here there and everywhere it is wrong it is damnably wrong mrs jermyn holding her hands over tiny's ears spencer a child Ugh, i beg your pardon diana but confound that ugly child oh no i repeat it is wrong that i should go about in this way alone 
therefore let us remedy it willingly ah, that's right my darling but i fear spencer that you overestimate your powers of resolve in thinking that you can forego those dreadful race meetings my dear diana i don't suggest that i was about to propose that you accompany me spencer pray respect me a little tiny sits at the foot of a tree with a book husbands and wives are seen together at these places what grade of wife what grade of wife why the 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 ordinary sort of married wife then i am not the ordinary sort of wife i confess i may possess one faculty less than other women that faculty is the stable the stable in all its bearings and influences public and private diana this is simple prejudice what is a stable your own stable for which you so often leave me it is the least comfortable part of our premises where common men are always shouting get back or come over and carrying about pails of water it isn't the stable diana it's the horses the noble intelligent horses the only use you find for them is to drag you or carry you from one place to another don't they do it well certainly then let it end there when a train does the same thing in an eighth of the time you don't pet the steam engine and smoke pipes with the railway directors and then these dreadful festivals called the races the races where you put the very animal you profess to respect and admire to a speed it was never meant to attain and where your jockey lashes and wounds the beast he rides because the poor thing is too fragile to make the pace or too intelligent to risk breaking a blood vessel the races a mere bacchanal of vulgarity and depravity whose vice sinks into a man until his very tongue becomes furred with it and he can speak only in the shibboleth of the betting ring my dear sport is the natural wear of men like his coat and trousers it is perfectly becoming that a woman should not adopt the one or the other spencer the instinct of sport is born in us in all possibility adam had a gun license and as there were horses in eden there you have the origin of ascot it was the presence of eve which made it a ladies meeting hush spencer the child racing is my hobby my weakness if you like bless my soul and body you have a hobby which is a weakness and pray what is that spencer spencer german pointing to tiny there's an animated fraction of it over there there are four or five more of em stabled i beg your pardon diana domiciled in our house at the moment i don't bring my horses indoors a few local orphans happen to be occupying the nursery you know you must be aware that we have no other use for the nursery my dear diana if we are to argue let us argue respectfully and fairly i admit spencer that i am absorbingly interested in little boys 
to wander freely through the courts and alleys of the most wretched districts of london finding small human treasures amongst the flotsam and jetsam of the great metropolis is the furthermost ambition my mind can grasp promise me spencer promise me that when the summer is gone and the chill misery of the wet winter is upon us that you will spend a day with me in poplar no diana certainly not any day in bond street oh you are odious our own parish of over lessingham contains enough poverty to satisfy any moderate philanthropist do what you like here spencer you mean that you give me permission to do what i please in lessingham for the welfare of our poor people certainly my darling and i was about to tell you of an idea of mine for enlarging your scheme of operations oh you dear old darling sit down there and i'll sit at your feet as i used to before we before we before we were philanthropists before we were married and i'll give you back your old nickname of nettles thank you diana mrs jermyn pinching his chin good-humoured irritable irritating old nettles and i'll tell you all about the great big plan i've had in my poor anxious head for weeks and weeks and weeks do my darling and then you shall hear my proposition which i fancy hush nettles dear you do rattle on so i beg your pardon my darling nettles dear yes diana i don't believe we shall ever get a tenant for that farmhouse at shodley heath hey it has been vacant so long why should we not ourselves turn it into account well now that's a little strange the same notion had already struck me oh you dear old nettles i know nettles has been having what he calls a good time of it at that awful epsom and yet i'm not angry with him well then dear this is my plan the children are in the way at odlem house in your way i mean i certainly are and when they all have the whooping cough it will be distressing to nettle's ear now why shouldn't we furnish the shodley heath farm diana turn mrs clegg our old housekeeper into a sort of matron and make the farmhouse a refuge for thirty or forty of my little waifs my dear diana to a very great extent my plan is yours oh i had already determined to furnish the farm for benevolent purposes tiny tiny london come here the child runs across to her she wipes his nose oh you precious little charge tiny kiss the gentleman and make oh so much of him she places the child on jermyn's knee he struggles and pushes tiny from him diana you won't let me explain i certainly have arranged that the farm at shodley should be a home or refuge but pardon me diana not not for little boys what not for little boys no diana for little girls no diana for whom then is shodley to be a shelter 
I thought it would satisfy and delight you, Diana. Twenty decayed jockeys. Oh. Shutter Compute's lounge out of the house with pipes in their mouths. Shattuck to Pews. Ants off, the Duchess. Are these two of them? Samuel Shattuck, a friend of his? They are indeed decayed. Diana, remember they were, both of them, little boys once. Pinching and Miss Moxon, talking earnestly, come out of the house. Spencer German, angrily to Shattuck and Pews. Do try to make a favourable impression upon the ladies, please. Put those pipes away. They touch their hats and tap the contents of their pipes against the heels of their boots. Miss Moxon, quietly to Mrs. German. Diana, I'm almost a happy woman. I'm quite a wretched one. I really think Ralph Pinching is in love with me. Miss Moxon walks away ecstatically, Pinching looking after her. Oh, Pinching, I want you to enter into my scheme with Mrs. German. Quietly. Be sanguine about it. Pinching pays no attention. Pinching! Hey, Oh, yes. Taking German's arm. German, Miss Moxon's father was a captain in the Lancers. Yes, yes, my boy. Pinching joins Miss Moxon and begins talking earnestly. I wish to goodness Pinching would be more professional. Pinching, Pinching, my boy, Mrs. German wants to hear your notions about the home. Eh? Oh, yes, great fun. Mr. Pinching, I claim your attention for a few minutes, please. Certainly. Spencer German, pointing to a rustic table. There, a pen, ink, and paper. Pinching whispers to Miss Moxon, then seats himself at the table. She takes a chair by his side, and they continue talking. Diana, pray sit down. As she is about to sit, Shattuck hurries forward and dusts the seat with his handkerchief. One moment, lady. There, lady. Mrs. German, shrinking from him. Uh, thank you. She sits with Tiny by her side. The more I look at you, lady, the more I see the likeness to my poor missus. Pointing to Mrs. German. Do you catch it, Edward? Striking to your first missus. What do you mean going on like that? I mean the missus you had when I first knew you, Sam. Hush, hush, hush. Diana, my dear, I want you to understand, and so does Mr. Pinchin. To Pinching, who is engaged with Miss Moxon. Pinchin! That all the thoughtfulness, all the charity of this notion has been animated by your beautiful, your magnificent example in dealing with little boys? That child is tearing your gown, Diana. Box his ears! Box his ears! But Diana, as Pinching aptly reminds us, Pinching, please! As Pinching aptly reminds us, the world is not exclusively peopled by little boys. Is it peopled with anything more innocent, more precious than little boys? 
Hmm, no, my dear, but you oughtn't to concentrate innocence on shoddly hoof. You ought to diffuse it. Now, men like Mr. Shattuck, step a little forward, Shattuck, my wife can't see you well. Men like Mr. Shattuck are victims of lost opportunities. True, lady. Mr. Shattuck was once a jockey of considerable promise. I was brought low, lady, by being got at by the wealthy and unscrupulous. Whenever I had a good mount, lady, and stood a chance of being in the one, two, three, I was always got at, lady. Examine the knuckle, muscles of that end, lady. Mrs. German shrinks back. You may take my end and yours, lady. That end is developed through pulling, pulling hard. What do you mean, man? Pullin' a horse's head when he was a-doin' too well, lady, ridin' for to lose. Ah, lady, there's many a good horse what Sam Shattuck has rode what had toothache in his back teeth for years followin'. And see the end of it. Those there horses have come to cabs and me to a home on Shodley Eath. And it's a moral lesson, I say, and proud I am to preach it. You see, Diana, we have found some good here, I venture to think. At least you have developed an extraordinary talent for discovery. I wonder how it will strike Mr. Pilkington, the vicar. I've a fine plan for managing Pilkington. Have you? His poor wife would be glad to know it. I shall conciliate Pilkington by appointing a salaried warden. Not a clergyman. Certainly. Oh, crikey. A young, liberal-minded sportin' parson. Oh. Here, mister. I shan't ever get no twenty men to the post if a parson's gonna hold the flag. Silence! I've never met so much senseless opposition. Here, mister. Shattuck and Pews, you can go. Shattuck to Mrs. German. Speak for us, lady. Don't let him get his head in here. Pull him, lady, pull him. Oh, here's another element creep in. Shatter confused takes her leave. One would think I was a little boy. No, by Jove, I should be better treated if I were. Pinching, Mr. Pinching. Miss Moxon, please, really. Pinching, snatching up a pen and arranging a sheet of paper. I'm waiting for you, Chairman. The advertisement for the clerical papers. She sends Tiny away. Spencer German, dictating. Shodley a thumb. <laughs> After all my plans. Opportunity for a young churchman in sympathy with our national sports and pastimes. There is no such man in existence. And there ought to be. The founder. Miss Moxon and Pinching are talking again. Pinching! Miss Moxon! Pon my word, I... The founder desires the cooperation as warden of an open-minded, unprejudiced... <laughs> Mr. Pinching, will you oblige me by following me into the house with your papers? Diana, your behaviour pains and vexes me. He ascends the steps and disappears through the porch. Pinching follows with the writing materials. Miss Moxon following Pinching. 
Is this then to be our goodbye? I'm very sorry to have to run away. You won't think me rude, will you? Do leave your address. Spencer German, returning. Mr. Pinching! Pinching to Miss Moxon. Excuse me. He follows German hastily into the house. Leave my address? What an end to everything. Leave my address? It's abominable. One would think Mr. German did it on purpose to spoil my prospects. Mr. German would do anything to spoil anybody's prospects. Mine particularly. I ask, how is it possible for a woman to get married? Would it were not possible? A woman's only chance of happiness is in remaining single. I quite agree with you. But I shouldn't mind being wretched with Mr. Pinching. I can't talk to you about Mr. Pinching, Constance. I can't talk or think of anything but the blow which has fallen upon me. Don't consider me unsympathetic, Diana. But I can't talk to you about your blow. To think that he sat upon this very seat, and with the words, Constance, my darling, in his heart, was set to draw up an advertisement. To think that this is the end of all my dreams for the last few weeks, day and night. This is the end of my pleasant picture of forty babbling babies, rolling upon the grass at Shodley, filling the diamond casements of the farmhouse with their fresh, ruddy faces, or making its old rooms ring with the rattle of their metal spoons. Oh! At the very moment of my life when I am not getting younger, at the very instant I am starting to London to a nasty, humiliating situation, it's not giving him a chance, poor fellow. My little boys, my poor little boys. But this is a grown-up man. Ah, oh, you don't worship little children. I could, I want to, but not so much other people's. The home I could make for them. The home I could make for him. Sitting distractedly upon the steps. Oh, let people come and trample on me. I don't care. Constance, dear, don't. Mr. Pinching may write to you. No, he's a lawyer. He naturally wouldn't commit his views to paper. Then why not delay your journey to London? That's impossible. I gave my word a month ago that I would go to Mr. Bryce this week at latest, and today is the last day of the week, and the 12.15 is the only train to get me there by tea-time. Mr. Bryce? Who and what is Mr. Bryce? I've never seen him. He is the curate of the very poorest parish in London. St. Jacob's in the East. That's all I know. The poorest parish in London? Mr. Bryce has met with some accident and is going away for a holiday, and I am to look after his niece in his absence and help with the horrid district visiting. Help with the horrid district visiting? Oh, how glorious! How beautiful! How hateful! How odious! To you comes the opportunity that is denied to me, and you despise it. St. Jacob's in the East. The East! The very Mecca of the pilgrimage I have dreamed of. Oh, if I could but be in your place. Diana. Well? Diana, would you like to be in my place, really? Constance. This Mr. Bryce doesn't know me, has never seen me. 
I answered his advertisement in the Seraphim when I was in London, and he didn't even trouble to take up my references. He expects a Miss Moxon today, not later than four o'clock. That's all. If you desperately wish it, why shouldn't you be Miss Moxon for two or three weeks? Oh, Mr. German would never allow it. He will not be here. When he returns, you have been visiting. There's the explanation. The children in the nursery. Leave me to look after the little darlings. Oh, Connie, I dare not play such a trick. Ah, when you were courting, I helped you. Besides, you forget everything. How can I travel to town in the train with Spencer? Oh, I never thought of that. Oh, Ralph, Ralph, why didn't you speak when you had the opportunity? I know. Di, I can get you to town by the 12.15. Be quiet, Constance. Who would take me to the station? Your husband. He would know I'm not going visiting without any luggage. He shan't know you're going to town today at all. You're quite mad, Constance. Never was saner in my life. The voices of German and Pinching are heard within. Make a careful copy of it, Pinching. Your husband and my Pinching. Go indoors and wait till I come. Pinching and German come from the house, the latter dressed for travelling. Constance, mind. I can't. I won't. Goodbye, Diana. I feel sure you will have grown to like my plans for Shoddley Heath home by the time I get back. We, we part affectionately, I hope, Diana. Certainly, Spencer. Goodbye, dear. Goodbye. They shake hands. Goodbye, my darling. Don't sit in any draughts. Goodbye. Mrs. German turns away. My dear Miss Moxon, you will never be ready to drive with me to the station. Oh, thank you, Mr. German, but my arrangements are altered. Diana has persuaded me not to go today. Constance. I'm very glad. But there is somebody I want you to take with you to the station. Not in the carriage, of course. Let her ride on the box with Gibbs. Will you? Certainly. Who is it? Poor Mrs. Landon, who is obliged to go to London on business. Oh. She runs into the house. Diana's run away. Ah, poor Diana. I'll go after her. She follows Mrs. German into the house. You'll telegraph to me, German, from time to time, in case I should want to get at you suddenly, won't you? Yes, but pinching, do you know that I've half a mind to let the steeplechase and the Grand Prix go to the devil and stop at home? Diana, disappointed poor girl, and lonely, eh, pinching? Well, Miss Moxon remains a little longer, and then there are the children. That's true. Confound those children. Hewitt enters. Gibbs has taken the carriage round, sir. All right. Tell him I'm waiting. Hewitt goes into the house. Goodbye, Pinching. It doesn't strike you that I'm a bad husband to Diana, does it? A brute? Does it, Pinching, eh? My dear German, don't think of such a thing. Poor Diana. Hewitt comes out of the house carrying a travelling bag and rug. Have to look sharp to catch the 12.15, sir. Of course, of course. Where is that Mrs. Landon? Mrs. Landon! 
Mrs. Landon! Miss Moxon enters from the house, followed by Mrs. German in Mrs. Langdon's black shawl and bonnet and veil. Come along, Mrs. Landon, come along. Turning to Pinching. Remember, Pinching. He speaks in an undertone to Pinching. Miss Moxon to Mrs. German, giving her an envelope. The Reverend Noel Bryce, number 8 Pelican Place, Great Raggett Street, East. I'll send your luggage off tonight. Oh, but where's Diana? Surely she'll walk with me to the gate. Oh, I... she... I won't leave her like this. Confound the train. I'll go back and kiss her. Uh, Mr. German, she's in the nursery with the boys. Oh, the deuce. Say I left, my love. Look sharp, Hewitt. German goes away, followed by Hewitt. Mrs. German hurrying after them. Pinching detains Miss Moxon. Miss Moxon, I shall be here, on business, tomorrow at eleven o'clock. May I see you? Miss Moxon, about to follow Mrs. German. Oh, indeed you may, Mr. Pinching. I wish to ask you a question which concerns my happiness. I... I... What's the matter? Miss Moxon gives a slight scream and waves her hands towards the house, as if to keep someone from coming out. No, no, not yet! Mrs. Landon, without a bonnet or shawl, runs from the house, looking about her. Mrs. Landon! Where's my boy? I can't find my tiny anywhere. She hurries away. Good gracious! Isn't that widow Landon? Why, German thinks she's riding on the box seat. German? Miss Moxon, obstructing his way. No, no, Mr. Pinching, don't, don't. Pinching, trying to pass her. Excuse me, Miss Moxon, German ought to know of this. German? He passes Miss Moxon, she clings to him. No, no, Mr. Pinching, I... I'll tell you something. I'll be back in a moment. No, you mustn't. What shall I do? Mr. Pinching, I... I love you, Mr. Pinching. Oh, my dear Miss Moxon. They sink onto the garden seat side by side. End of Act One of The Hobby Horse by Arthur Wing Pinero.